Well, good evening, TNL. It is good to be with you, and I, I agree with Marshall's prayer and um, just the sentiment of sharing songs at this type of season, and specifically in this community. It's about as beautiful as it gets. So tonight we talk about joy. Joy, like all great words, is a little sneaky. It can hold both the gravity and levity. It's completely understood by children, but unable to be adequately defined by the most brilliant of minds. Joy, like the other Advent themes of hope and peace and love, have these veins of gold that you find and you begin to follow, and you know that there's a richness that you'll never fully discover hidden in them. There's no other word that quite encapsulates the swirling elation around the birth of Jesus like joy. The root of the meaning of the word joy in the original Aramaic is really close to the same meaning as grace. It's a delight that exists entirely and wholly beyond oneself. Joy is always then a gift that's given, which is why it's the only true word for the season. The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all the people. And that's how it goes in one of the most known scriptures in the New Testament. But that's not because of great sermons or great preachers. No, it's because of a little boy named Linus in the cartoon classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas, who recites in the most beautiful voice tonight's text from Luke. I will not be doing the voice of Linus for the scripture reading. Luke chapter 2, 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Good news of great joy for all the people. Joy, who's joy for the parents uh, whose baby will be born in a barn. Joy for the people and a nation who will remain under the power of the oppressive Roman regime for his entire life. Joy that sounds something like a paradox because it's a divine invitation to goodness and gift and grace, and yet it doesn't change any of the immediate circumstances or situation in which this Christ child is born. But note, the angels did not say that Jesus' arrival will make everyone and everything happy, because although happiness is very enjoyable, it's entirely dependent on the circumstances and the situations that surround it. Happiness shows up mostly where you would expect it, when you're enjoying a good meal, or a good book, or a good drink, or you're lying on a beach on vacation. These are the things that bring us happy when we call them our happy place. But when the service is bad at the restaurant, unless it's the bull and bush, and then even if it's bad, it's still deep joy, or the good book ends, or the holiday that you've been waiting on gets interrupted, by hurting friends. Our happiness doesn't hold up very often. Now, I like being happy as much as any person I know. I don't know that I'm as happy as any person I know, but I like the idea of being happy as 
anybody as I know, and I enjoy at least being happy enough to venture to Disneyland every three years with my daughter, Kenna, which, as you're all very well aware of, is in fact the happiest place on earth, except for when it isn't. Because if you've been to Disneyland, you know that there are moments when lines get long and children get tired and parents start to calculate the cost per minute of what they are doing and the happiness begins to fail and it can't hold up to the reality of disappointments and sadness and sorrows that real life shows up with. Which is why, more than rides or lines or characters or costumes, Disneyland is a place of great joy for Kenneth and I and loved by us because it's a memory that we share. And in some ways, it's even a memory that we imagine for the future. The joy of Disneyland for me occurred most this last summer when in a beautiful moment that I can only use the word itself, joy, to describe. And it occurred when Kenna went up to Darren. Darren is a 60-year-old security guard and asked him for his signature. See, the book that she has carried, well, actually, I carry, um, around Disneyland since she was six is an autograph book. And in the book, there's signatures of Mickey and Minnie, of Olaf and Elsa, and now Darren. Because this year, because of COVID protocol, the characters weren't allowed to give their signature, but that didn't stop Kenna from asking people who were running rides and a security guard named Darren who had been working at Disneyland for over three decades for his signature in her book. And joy is the only word to describe the moment because he signed his name so carefully and then he looked at Kenna and he told her it's the first autograph that he's ever been asked for. And in that moment, Disneyland was not just the happiest place on earth. There was a moment of deep joy. And even telling the story, it brings joy to my heart. C.S. Lewis in his book, Surprised by Joy, writes this. All joy reminds, it's never a possession. It's always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. See, Lewis is right. Joy is sneaky. You can't quite grasp onto it, even no matter how hard you try. It will remind you, it will inspire you, and it will invite you. But you can only receive it, and you can share it. But you cannot, regardless of how much money you try to throw at it, possess it. Which is why the correct word for this season of Advent, in which we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, is joy. Because we can't control it, and we can't contain it. But each year in this season, the songs and the candles, and there's little moments that we catch the glimpses, and we are reminded, and we're inspired, and we're invited into this good news that is great joy for all people. And it is joy not only of his arrival, but it is in a joy of following his way of life. At the very end of Jesus' story, on the last night of his life, he is talking to his friends and his followers about joy. In John 15, he says, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. 
See, the joy that Jesus is inviting his friends and his followers to receive is not situationally dependent. It's not based on the happiness of the circumstance because it has to be strong and mature enough to hold both the sorrow and the suffering that is to come. To be clear, Jesus is talking about joy on the night that he will be betrayed by his closest friends. He will be denied and deserted by the rest of them. And ultimately, he will suffer his own death. The words of the book of Hebrews describe this journey that Jesus is walking through these last hours with really outlandish words when you think about it because the Hebrew writers write, he endured the cross for the joy set before him. How do you talk about the cross and joy? Because joy is sneaky and holds both the gravity and the levity of the grace of God. See, that joy of Jesus is what you and I are invited into to receive and to live out. And as one saint said, joy is the hallmark of a holy life. Now, my guess is that there's someone who might come to mind when you think of someone whose joy has been the hallmark of their life. Their eyes and their smile, their laughter and their levity, that regardless of the situation or the circumstance, confirms that truth for you. That beyond just being happy because of the circumstances, joy has marked their life as holy. I've witnessed it in this community. It's joy that I have seen in the eyes of my friends who have both lost parents and children and yet still trusted in the goodness of God. It's joy that's held up when jobs and marriages have been on the ropes. It's joy that has brought levity to the most challenging of moments and the most miraculous moments that have lightened the heart when, when there's no reason for it to have but it's simply been joy that I've witnessed in your life and I've also witnessed in mine. Over the years in this community, I've shared both uh, the beautiful and most, most broken moments of my life. And as I look back, there has always been joy. It's been my great joy to be a part of the staff and the story of TNL and it's joy that has marked the last few months about this decision to transition and send TNL out as an independent church. I'm often asked by my friends who have known me here in town for a bit how I feel about the Sacred Grace sending TNL out as a church independently. And I've never found myself saying I'm happy, but I've always found the word joy to be correct. That it's encapsulated all of my hope and my heart and my love for TNL. It's with great joy that I look forward to the future of TNL. For me, Frederick Beekner best puts to words my heart and hope about joy, and he writes this. Joy is home, and I believe the tears that come to our eyes more than anything are homesick tears. God created us in joy and created us for joy. And in the long run, not all the darkness there is in the world or in ourselves can finally separate us from that joy. Because whatever else it means to say that God created us in his image, I think it means that even when we cannot believe in him, even when we feel most spiritually bankrupt and deserted by him, his mark is deep within us. We have God's joy in our blood.
we have God's joy in our blood. Joy is in our DNA. We were born looking for it and longing for it. And when we discover these golden veins of joy, I believe we find them most when we're following the way of Jesus. We find it when we're living out this life of gratitude and grace. And so my prayer would be is that we would be a people who would look for joy and long for joy, that we would find joy in giving and serving and receiving the love of each other, that we would recognize it in the laughter of our children, and we would also recognize it in the tears of our parents' eyes. And with only 10 days until Christmas Eve, by the way, maybe the greatest moment of joy is when those candles are lit and you believe for even a moment those words announcing Jesus' arrival were, in fact, good news of great joy for all the people. And all the people include you. And that that joy of heaven would surprise you and find you and welcome you home. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this place and this people, uh, for the joy in my heart and of my heart, uh, for being able to be a part of the story of TNO, to be witnesses of your love and your grace, infiltrating the most difficult and dark moments. And yet, it is your love for us that surrounds us and brings hope and peace and love and joy. Father, I pray specifically for folks in the room um, that the next 10 days are marked by challenge and feeling like uphill during the holidays that they would believe that there is a joy that is good news for them, um, that is not circumstantial, and that is not based on the situation, um, but there is something deeper and richer and truer uh, about your love for them, and that that would bring them great joy. And pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.